This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story. Australia's online gambling industry has grown rapidly in the last decade. It currently turns over about $50 billion a year. Uh, We know that Australians are the world's biggest losers when it comes to gambling, and we know that it has huge implications. And sporting codes are cashing in, with some taking an increasing share of gambling revenue. The problem is we have predatory gambling companies throughout Australia who prey on people, facilitate addiction and become wealthy on account of it and do nothing to stop it. So are Australian sports becoming too close to the gambling industry? Today, how sports are making money off punters. It's Thursday, the 11th of May. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Henry, I don't watch a lot of footy, but when I do, it does seem like there are a lot of ads for sports gambling. On top of their already great odds, Ladbrokes now gives you odds boost. They're on the side of the stadium, um, on the jerseys, and also on many of the ad breaks between plays. As the official wagering partner of the AFL, CrownBet's advanced mobile app. You just got to take the money and run. Bet365, the world's favourite online sports betting company. Is it just me? It's not you. I do watch a lot of sport and it's everywhere. Henry Bello is a reporter for Guardian Australia. It's not even just on the games you watch. It's in the podcasts you listen to. If you go online to read about football, oh, my God, there's another gambling advertisement. Why won't they go away? We've had several studies that show there's hundreds of gambling ads on free-to-air telly every day. We've got to a point, Jane, where there's evidence that Australian children can recite gambling advertisements, they identify brand colours, they know the odds of games because they're read out before the games start. Even professional players are worried that kids just can't actually divorce the game itself from the gambling odds. We know that fans hate it. There's a study by the AFL Fans Association. They interviewed 3,000 people. They found that the volume of gambling ads was the most common concern. Three quarters of them said that they would support a ban. It also doesn't matter who you talk to in politics. Uh, Liberal, Labor, Nationals, Independent MPs, they all think the volume of ads is too much. Mm. 
So if everyone hates gambling ads, why are there still so many of them during sports? Essentially, it's because there's a massive amount of money that's being made. And so the outrage from the fans, from players, from some clubs is not enough to actually change what the code is doing. Mm. And we've got to the point where the head of a parliamentary inquiry looking into this very topic says that there's overwhelming evidence for change to actually happen here. But the problem is the gambling companies, the sporting codes, the broadcasters who play the ads, they're all making big money off gambling and they're all to varying extents trying to push back against change. And that's why we've got this really uncomfortable tension that's going on right now between fans who are watching the games, the players themselves and the executives who are making money. And we've got to remember that Australians have the highest gambling losses per person in the world. There's a lot of money at stake here. There's also a lot of social harm that's being done right now in our communities. Mm. I mean, it's interesting that despite all of these harms and all these concerns that we've got from the fans and, and from government, in fact, Australian sports are not just stopping at making money off the local gambling market. They're actually moving to the US now that we know that the US is legalising online gambling. What's that all about? Yeah, well, the NRL is really keen to get into the United States, which a lot of people would think, why on earth are we taking our code to the other side of the world? But what's really going on here is the NRL have recognised that there is a booming sports betting market in the United States where until very recently there was a federal ban on this happening. That's been repealed. Now there's states that have legalised sports gambling and people are spending very big money. The NRL taking a bit of a gamble, thinking that this is going to develop into a huge industry. We want to get in on the ground floor, get people familiar with our product so that when it is legalised in more states, we're there and we're ready we can get a cut of that money. Sport is better with gambling. Is that is that truly what you believe? Look, it's entertainment. You, you don't gamble to to win money. You don't do it to um, be, become rich. In fact, the head of the rugby league, Peter Vlander, said some comments recently that you've reported on that raised some eyebrows. What, what did he say? You do it to entertain yourself. Just like you go to a restaurant and you buy a meal, that's entertainment. As long as you're responsible with what you're spending on on that entertainment, it's no different than anything else. Yeah, so when he was actually at the airport about to fly to Las Vegas to try and negotiate this expansion into the US, he was asked by a reporter from Channel 9 about some of the criticism about him sort of bringing the game into closer contact with the gambling industry. And he did not take a backward step at all. He actually owned that that's what was happening. That's what shocked so many people. You know, you'll get blowback from anti-gambling mobs who don't like the idea that yeah, you're encouraging gambling and sport together. No, I'm encouraging entertainment. As I said, if you treat gambling as entertainment and you budget yourself to have so much on that entertainment, there's no, no problem with it. And, and this is the comment that I've spoken to some people who have gambling addictions that they were so upset when they heard. I've spoken to people who have lost their superannuation because they had to pay off their debts to gambling companies because they loved sport and they kept getting hit with these advertisements and they fell into real financial ruin. And for them to hear somebody who's running the organisation compare what happened to them to going to a restaurant to buy a meal, it caused a lot of anger for them. 
But I think if you take a step back, what it really does is is just show that the head of the NRL is starting to think of his own sport in the same way that gambling companies think of it, that it's an opportunity to make money. Yes, sport is an entertainment product. That's why we love it. That's why so many people watch it. But many people felt that he didn't really take responsibility and ownership of some of the social harms that happen alongside this, that that was diminished in the pursuit of profit. Mm. Well, have professional sporting leagues like the NRL always been this invested in the gambling industry? No, they haven't. Um, what's happened here is the online sporting industry for, for gambling has massively boomed in the last decade. So if we go back 10 years the annual turnover for these gambling companies was about $5 billion a year. It's quite a lot. It's now worth $50 billion. And let's remember, most of that money comes from people losing when they're betting and it goes into them. Now, it actually, that figure could be even bigger. We don't really know how much it is. Now, why this has exploded so quickly, there's a couple of reasons. One is the popularity of smartphones. All of a sudden, everybody is on them all the time. We're addicted to them for many reasons, and that makes betting really, really easy. But what massively kicked it off in the last couple of years is actually the pandemic. People couldn't go to the games. They were left alone in their homes, not much to do, and they were on their phones. And that made gambling much more popular and that revenue has really increased. Well, so we've got this perfect storm, I suppose, of sporting codes making money off gambling, more people gambling online in recent years. How exactly do sports make money from gambling, though? The sporting codes were looking at the money that these gambling companies were making. A few years ago, they decided that they wanted a cut of this because they're essentially profiting from their product and they thought that they should get a share of it. There are many ways that this happens. Some are indirect, some are very direct. Probably the most common one that we've seen for a long time is sponsorships. Now that tends to benefit the clubs, not so much the codes. Then we have wagering partnerships where the NRL or the AFL might strike a deal with a gambling company to say to them, you're actually our preferred wagering partner. You pay us, then we'll partner with you. We'll put your ads in our publications associated with our products and that elevates your brand above other people. You have to pay to get that access. Mm. What is probably the least understood way the sporting codes are making money is what's called product fees which essentially means that the codes are getting a share of the gambling company's turnover. And not a lot of fans know about this. We don't hear this discussed by the heads of the codes very much, but it is something that's bringing a lot of money into the coffers of these codes. What proportion of gambling revenue to sporting codes is made up by these product fees? That's actually a great question because we don't really know. There's been speculation about this for a number of years. It's a significant part of it. It's very difficult to say because there are a number of other ways that the codes make money. So you've got broadcasting deals, you've got rights, you've got tickets, and then you've got all the advertising that goes around this. Right. And um, how much of the revenue that comes from your relationship with betting, with Sportsbet, how much of that is actually invested in grassroots sport? We had a moment a couple of weeks ago where the AFL uh, chairman, Gil McLaughlin, was very uncomfortable in a parliamentary inquiry when he was asked about this. To talk to your question, I feel you would understand that I won't talk to specific numbers other than to say um, wagering is 
part of the total not significant, but it is, but it is material, and it goes to goes to that. And so, um, uh, I'm not. It's many, many millions of dollars, but we don't know exactly how much it is because that's not disclosed. The money is distributed between them, which means they have a real stake in the future of this industry. And just to clarify, so the product fee arrangement, you get a amount of each bet. That, that is made on the AFL is a revenue stream back to the AFL. Is that right? Broadly speaking, you get a percentage of the volume of, of um, turnover on our sport, yes. Right, OK, thank you. And that is why progress has been slow. It's not like this is a recent sort of trend from advocates and anti-gambling campaigners to be raising concerns about the damage that this is doing to the community and the fact that, as I mentioned, a lot of children are now getting, you know, really associated with gambling. It's the fact that everybody has a stake in this of to some level financial reward for it continuing that it's been so slow to change. Mm. But are there similar relationships between gambling companies and other sports in Australia, or is it just football? It's not just football. There are relationships with other sports. If you go online and look for a sport to bet on, you'd be pretty shocked that you can bet on pretty much absolutely everything. If there isn't a market for it, it'll be created. You can bet on, for example, in soccer, the number of throw-ins, the number of corners. You can bet on tennis. You can bet on other things as well. But It's really the football codes that have generated the most amount of attention, the most amount of uh, gambling advertisements, and there's a couple of reasons for that. They tend to be the sports that are watched the most on broadcast channels, on television, online. That means there's more eyeballs. That means there's more ads that can be placed there. They also tend to get the most amount of people in the actual stadiums watching. Sometimes there's advertisements or slogans in the stadium. So They're not the only sports, but this is the main concentration and the main moneymaker. What about the individual players in these sports? Do they make a cut of this overall money that's being made from gambling companies? And how do they feel about that? Well, you wouldn't really speak for them as a whole, right? But certainly the AFL players have tended to be more opinionated, more vocal about their discomfort about the gambling sector. A couple of key examples in, in recent years, think of the Collingwood uh, captain, Darcy Moore, along with his uh, former teammate, Brody Grundy. They were actually very vocal about their concerns that young children just couldn't distinguish the difference between sport and gambling and were involved in some state government and charity initiatives to tell people, maybe take a step back, don't think about the odds, get more involved in just loving the game. Mm. So clearly there are concerns from the players, but there are also broader concerns about appearing in uh, gambling advertisements or partnerships, right? Because Mm. think about the AFL. They've got an official wagering partner in sports bet. Now, the players themselves might not be comfortable appearing in some of those advertisements. And then you mentioned the pay. There's this ongoing discussion and negotiation about a new contract deal. If the AFL is profiting from gambling, if the broadcasters are profiting from gambling, why shouldn't the players profit from gambling? Why shouldn't the players have a say on what happens with their data and how it's commercialised? That's an ongoing discussion. It's not really clear what's happening there. We're not getting a look inside the negotiations, there could be some movement on that in coming months. I mean, sports bodies often argue that gambling revenue is all put back into the sport, that it's used to help at the less well-resourced community level of these sports. 
Is that true? Do they need this revenue? Well, it is true to an extent that they do pass that money back into the development of the code and and community initiatives, because let's remember they're not-for-profit organisations. The money that they're making from gambling is not being passed on to shareholders and it's not just being held as a long-term deposit. It's going back into the development of the game. That is certainly true. Now, what that lobby group has said, and they told this to a parliamentary inquiry recently, was you cut gambling revenue, then you cut the amount of money that we can invest in grassroots development. If you cut gambling revenue, tickets will become more expensive. If you cut this, our game suffers. Now, a lot of people say, well, does it really suffer or could you not find that money from elsewhere? It's all about a balance and Mm. that's what a lot of anti-gambling campaigners and the fans, the clubs and some players are saying, why don't we strike a different balance here? So, professional sports are actively supporting and also profiting directly from gambling. What impact does that then have on punters? Well, it has a big influence because for a lot of people who love sport, gambling can be very hard to escape. It tends to be young men who are very obsessed with sports and love it. They play it, they breathe it, every spare minute of their day is devoted to it. They can't do that without being hit with these gambling advertisements. Mm. So what's happening to many people is that they're developing gambling addictions and it wasn't that they went into a TAB and thought, I'll have a punt. It just they were continually exposed. And, look, there are a lot of people who gamble in moderation. That's that's totally fine but there are some real concerns here that have happened of people who've developed massive credit card debts while gambling on sport, access their superannuation to pay that off. There is a a tremendous harm that's being caused here. And the AFL, the NRL are aware of this, but they say that these are isolated cases and yes, they do invest in protections, but it really is a, a consideration that needs to be happening here. There's a lot of money going around, but there's also a real cost. Well, what kinds of measures are there to protect punters from spending too much on gambling? There were recently some changes to prevent people from using credit cards on gambling, for example. Yeah, that's one of the most significant announcements from the Albanese government so far. And consistent with that, Minister Rishworth and I are announcing today that the Albanese government will legislate to ban the use of credit cards for online wagering. That's something that the Communications Minister, Michelle Rowland, uh, announced last week, that ban on credit cards. Because here the message is simple. People should not be betting with money they don't have. We know that some 15 to 20% of online wagering is currently done with credit cards. And at the same time, we know that it's that cohort which is the most susceptible, the most vulnerable to greater harms that arise from gambling. It's for this reason... But if you speak to anti-gambling campaigners, they go, thank goodness you've done this, you were 20 years too late because... Governments around the country, state territory governments, introduced that ban for casinos and pokies 20 years ago because they were concerned about people going in and placing bets that they actually can't afford to pay. But the regulation did not keep up with online gambling. And because of how quickly it's grown and how prevalent it's become, the legislation wasn't in place. I definitely see the influence from sporting bodies, you know, exposing people to advertisements and in some cases bombarding them with advertisements for gambling. But I suppose they're also, given they have this vested interest, they're probably also 
um, heavily involved in lobbying around what happens in terms of regulation of gambling bodies, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're the key player in this really, so they want to have a say. One of the the interesting things is that's normally not done directly by the codes. It's done by a peak body that represents them all, that lobbies on their behalf. But that's why so many people were shocked what Peter Volandis said, because he was saying it himself. He wasn't relying on a lobby group that not many people are aware of to say it. Mm. Is the relationship between professional sporting organisations and gambling companies too close in your view? Well, it depends who you speak to. But if you're speaking to the gambling companies, they say what we're doing is in compliance with the rules. If we break the rules, then we're penalised. So if you're a fan that's got a problem with the amount of gambling advertisements or how close gambling is tied to the sporting codes, then write to your regulator, write to the MPs and the government to try and change that. And that actually highlights a broader problem with where we are at the moment. You would think with a $50 billion industry, there would be a national regulator who looks at this. There's not. It's broken down by states in a patchwork quilt. A lot of these companies are based in the NT where they get favourable tax treatment and they're subject to that regulator who has people who are working part-time. Then you have the ACMA, the media watchdog. They look at the advertising services. Some of the advertising services are actually voluntary. They're industry codes. So there's a broader discussion here about how to actually regulate this, and that's a fascinating one that is going to take quite a lot of political courage to deal with. Next, what changes are needed to protect punters? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Before the break, we were talking about this really close relationship between sporting codes and the gambling industry. So what are the sporting bodies saying that they're going to do about this? Well, they're not doing a whole lot at the moment. I think that's the first thing to say, but there are a few noticeable shifts that have happened in recent weeks. The first is the AFL particularly has acknowledged directly that there is a great deal of community concern about the volume of advertisements. Does it irritate Well, you probably do it really, but if you sit down with kids to watch a game, does it irritate you, the number of uh, betting agency, personally? Uh Gil McLaughlin, the chief executive, went on 3AW, Melbourne radio station. He was asked about the volume of ads. I think there's probably too much, yeah. Now, he says he was talking about the inducements, but that is certainly a start. I don't have a problem that other people do around wagering per se. I just think the volume is too much, so it's in your face. In the same way, I think that it should be applied, there needs to be a balance with every category. 
What are some of the ways that government and also anti-gambling advocates are trying to reduce this relationship? That's really the entire focus of a parliamentary inquiry at the moment that's looking at the relationship between sporting codes and online gambling. That's due to hand down its report in June. It'll make recommendations of what should be adopted by government. That doesn't mean that's what the government is going to do, but it certainly does give them options. Also, we've had some changes in federal regulation about the ads themselves. So they're looking a bit different. We used to have that tagline that so many people hated at the end of ads saying gamble responsibly, as if it was all upon you to decide what you should do with your addiction. Now the taglines have changed. There's several of them. Some of them say chances are you're about to lose. So they're certainly a little bit more upfront with people. And then we have the actual sponsorships at stadiums. They have been paired back. We're having ongoing discussions about whether there should be any sponsorships at all. A lot of clubs have taken the first step and severed any ties with the gambling industry. What's more likely is that there'll be tighter restrictions on when those ads can air. They may be pushed back until later in the evening when kids aren't watching, they go to bed. That reduces the risk of children developing that association with gambling. Mm. There are other small changes that could happen, like allowing people to have a greater sense of how much money they've actually lost. Apps popping up on their phone going, you've lost $10,000 today. Do you want to keep going? Press yes. That at least gives people some ownership of what they're doing. Then there are broader questions as well, like should the responsibility be put on these gambling companies to actually have a duty of care to protect the people that are engaging with them? They would argue that they do have that, but if they were to breach that duty of care and they were exposed to big fines, that could actually improve the way that they do business, reduce some of that. And that's another question here as well. Are these companies really being fined enough to actually make them pay attention and avoid some of the backfalls or the negative effects that they have on people? The other thing the government could, of course, do is introduce a national regulator and treat this like a national problem and try and do away with the patchwork quilt of regulators who are based in different states, different territories, who can impose different level of fines and actually admit that this is a national problem that should be dealt at a federal level and give some consistency and clarity to the industry as well as to how they can comply with the law and best improve Mm. their practice. Henry, do you think this is ever really going to change? Well, in terms of the sporting codes, some people actually think that we've reached a point of no return, that gambling is now so ingrained in the way their business structures operate that it really can't be turned back without it basically being knocked back and starting again. That's probably a more pessimistic view of this. If you speak to certainly public health experts are a little bit more optimistic about this. And what they point to is what happened with tobacco companies. There was a a period in Australia's history where you would see tobacco companies sponsoring shirts, particularly cricket, a lot of other sports. That doesn't happen anymore. You don't see tobacco sponsorships on TV, in all aspects of life, but sport is is one of those things. Now, the government 
was brave and they took on that multi-billion dollar industry. If the government here was to do the same with gambling companies, well, then that could change the dynamic. But there is a real difference here because the sporting codes, they don't see it that way at the moment. So what we're more likely to have is some more regulation that's introduced to protect people rather than a whole-scale rethink of how gambling works with sport. That was Henry Bello. He's a reporter for Guardian Australia. You can find Henry's coverage of the recent Senate inquiry into online gambling at theguardian.com. He also recently wrote about the reaction to those comments from the NRL in an article called NRL Chair Peter Vlandis Widely Criticised for Saying Sports Gambling is, quote, Entertainment. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria, myself and Joe Koning, who also did the sound design, mixing and composed our theme music. The executive producer for this episode was Hannah Parks. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time. This podcast was corrected on the 11th of May. An earlier version of this podcast said that about half a dozen US states had legalised online gambling. This was incorrect. In fact, at least 24 US states have now legalised online gambling. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.